four-point lead in the ball in overtime. Lowry for three, and it's through. Rebounces Siakam to the basket. Big-time block. Andre got him. Reggie Jackson from the corner. He hits it. Woo! Blake gets an Andre Street. Bounces back to Dre. Fouled on the shot drive. Got them both. The three-point line. Lowry to the basket. Can't score it. Luke Kennard comes over. Pistons by three. Second one around and down. Don't mind it now. Blake has 27. And it's over. The Pistons win in overtime. 112 to 107. Welcome into Views from the Sideline. It is March 5th, 2019. It's the greatest month of the year for basketball fans. March Madness around the corner. NBA basketball starting to heat up again with the playoffs around the corner. That was the Pistons knocking off the current two-seed Toronto Raptors in Detroit in what was actually an extremely entertaining ball game. It's the most electric Pistons game I've seen in a long time. It was a big-time win for the team. That brings them to 31-31. and We were talking about how this team was done for when they were 22-29 and earlier in the year. They're the sixth seed in the Eastern Conference right now. They'd play the Indiana Pacers in the first round, and I think they could make that series interesting. Again, that's still about 20 games down the road, mid-April. We'll get closer to that. Hopefully, we'll be able to talk some playoff Piston basketball. But what's going on, guys? How's your Tuesday going? Just another Tuesday. Just another Tuesday? Nothing, yep. nothing I didn't need any poonchkis today, so, you know. Oh, okay. None of them? Nope. Me and Chris got a cookie before. We're, we're energized. We're ready to go. Pre-show cookie. Also, I'm I'm happy. Big NBA news. Andrew Bogut is coming back from Australia, ladies and gentlemen. He's a Golden State Warrior again. Is it official? Andrew Bogut. My, I think they signed their contract. Think, I think they're working on it right okay. now. It's a yeah, whole thing. Scoop with from Australian our team. very own Malik Hill. But yeah, they have to just wait till his uh, his season's over in Australia. Seeing Stephen Clay and Draymond and Bogut back together is it's going to be like old times. Draymond turned 29. I think yesterday. Dude's getting old. Yeah. You don't realize he, he all only, these he guys. Only, he only has a few more years left to be in. He I mean, he's already shown signs of dropping off, but yeah. It's, I don't think I don't think people years. realize how old Steph Curry is either. Is he thirty? Yeah, I think so. Might be thirty-one at this point, but yeah, he's been in the league a lot longer than people think Since or realize. Nine. Yeah, ten years in. Vince Carter's what forty-two. Hey man, dude, let's, still let's, jumping, let's not still up. hooping. Hey. He dropped what? He dropped twenty-three points against the Heat last night. Twenty-one or twenty-three. 21. Yeah. 21. Still can, trying to put can, people on he posters. He still give you one every now and then. I'm waiting to see him in the rec league over the summer with the older guys where he can really get off. The big three? I want to see him banging on people. <laughs> see him playing the big three? I don't know. He might come back next year. Honestly. It's, he hasn't said whether he's done. He needs to go out with a dunk contest. Vince, retire. No. Start commentating. No. I want to I want to see you commentate because I see you do it in the summer league. That's a and bad take. At it. That's a bad take. Vince, if you're listening, Get, do dunk not. Dunk on people in the rec league. Give us old Vince there because you can't do it in the NBA anymore. He just dropped 20 points. Does anybody know? That's not old. <laughs> not, I'm just saying he's still hooping. Can... Okay. 20 points <laughs> for once in a season Malik, is hooping. Tell me if you can tell me if you can score 20 points in an NBA game. I'm not. <laughs> you just turned it over to me. I've played a year of varsity high school basketball and then quit. 
Quitter's that's mentality. All I had. That's not good. <laughs> and I Quitter's got mentality. But that doesn't matter. Let's get into the show. We're, we're completely Joe, what's out. going on over there? <laughs> I'm trying to look at who is the oldest person to ever play. And, uh, I'm pretty sure, isn't it Robert Parrish? Yeah, yeah. he played when he like was... 47? He was 45 years and 363 days. Why didn't he wait two more days? <laughs> Maybe the season ended. Could have been 46. He played one game. <laughs> Probably the season ended. Parrish played way too long. Is that all you're looking for, Joe? Yeah. Okay. I, was just saying <laughs> if, I was just saying if uh, Vince Carter could make it. Oh, wait, no, that's, that's some other guy that played in the 47-48 season. Four nineteen forty seven. Parrish is the third oldest, apparently. He was forty three. Well, let's jump into the show. Uh, I, I as interesting as the oldest player to ever play in the NBA is. Let's talk about some actual topics here. Uh, we got to start Michigan. They move up to number seven. They beat Nebraska handily, eighty two to fifty three. Then they beat Maryland in Maryland. Currently, they were number 17 at the time. They're really setting themselves up well for a revenge game against MSU this Saturday, March 9th. Malik, what did you see from Michigan over this, the past seven days to kind of rekindle your, your feeling of this team? The fact that they rebounded so well from that Michigan State game, there was, there was no carryover. From that game, they they handled Nebraska. There was no contest. Nebraska's not a very good team. They treated it like they're a very good team beating a bad team. There were new elements being involved, which a surprise at the last minute of the season. Season Colin Castleton is coming in as a true freshman. I honestly thought he'd be a red shirt, but he's coming in. I knew he had skill, but he needs to put on a lot of weight. Something important. It's not going. That was <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Shannon, Shannon Sharp. Yeah, you know, Shannon Sharp wanted to get. Something in there we, real quick. We good, we good over there, Chris? <laughs> you got to talk to Shannon. Shannon wanted to get his piece. Well, of- old, old Shay Sharp isn't here, so yeah. I, I'll, I'll get back to my point. <laughs> <laughs> he starts bringing in Colin Castleton off the bench. The kid has post moves. We haven't seen his jumper yet, but that's something he also has to has to his game. He doesn't have to show it yet. Very encouraging seeing him. Dave DeJulius getting more minutes, although he's – He's not given the impact I thought he'd have so far, but it's okay because they're still playing well. Was it you or Joey that were big Dave DeJulius fans? I was, uh, yeah, I was a big Dave guy. Joe Quick, Joe Quick with the point to Malik. Mm-hmm. He's one of Malik's guys. Yeah. Also, I'm happy to see they can find ways to win without one of their main contributors, maybe the main contributor on that team, Charles Matthews, probably the most important offensive element. He's out of the game. Their defense is good enough, even with the offensive slumps, which they use, they seem to have every other game. They're not a good enough shooting team consistently to just shoot people out of the gym. I mean, in this so, case, they were, though, against Nebraska. Yeah, against Nebraska. Oh, yeah. Nebraska was four for five from deep. Teske was three for three. Yeah, when, when, they, when they have a bad team and they get those open shots, it's, they have a lot of confidence. But going on the road against Maryland – you see that their confidence dropped somewhat in the few, first few minutes of that game. Shots weren't falling. Offense wasn't flowing. They didn't panic. They settled in on defense. Xavier Simpson had that offense rolling. He had the hook shots going. Even when he went out with foul trouble and Maryland had a little run, he came back in. The offense got calm again. Iggy Brasdikas was able to get into a flow in this game, which was fantastic. He finished with 21 points. Isaiah Livers hit threes when he needed to. Teske hit a three when he needed to. 
And people, they stepped up when they needed to. And that's that's very encouraging to see going into this Saturday and going into the conference tournament and the NCAA tournament, seeing that they can they can turn it back up like this when they need to and just lock in. I'm withholding judgment until I see how they play on Saturday. I think that's going to be a huge measuring stick for my opinion of the team going into the big dance. Um, I just want to see how they match up, how they can try to contain Cassius Winston. We talked about before the first matchup of Michigan-Michigan State how Xavier Simpson's going to be that lock-in defender on Cassius. It wasn't the case. Cassius pick, pick and roll took him out for most of the game. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Uh, Joey, what would you see from Michigan over these past seven days? They look good. We've seen it before. Like you said, we gotta got to be a little bit hesitant on it until we see them uh, against Michigan State again. The thing that I like, this is the type of game that I like seeing Xavier Simpson have. This is the game that I've liked, the reason why I've liked him more this season. Obviously, when you see him take the hook shot a couple times, you're like, what the heck is that? Because you don't see it anymore. Nobody really does that kind of shot. And it's a shame that more smaller players don't patent that shot. Yeah. Because it is, as, he's, as he's shown, if you work on it, it's extremely effective. And people won't be able to really. Yeah, stop you can it. get it over a defender easily. Yeah. And now I don't, I don't see him having crazy games like that where he was like five of five with that shot right off the bat. I, I think he'll he'll miss a couple here and there. But if he can get that down to be, you know, like a sixty percent field goals, that's really good for this team, and that that helps a lot with their pick and pop that they can do with Teskey. The other thing that I really liked in this, like the Maryland game, was they showed a little bit of the. Castleton Teskey lineup, which I think is really interesting to go into tournament time because to have two big guys like that that are athletic enough that play good defense and uh, with Teskey being able to stretch the floor can create a really dynamic offense that we've never seen Michigan really have. Kind of like Malik said, the one problem is that this isn't your typical Michigan team to where they don't shoot you out of the gym every night. They're not going to just three and DU all the time. This team does struggle on offense a little bit, but they still have the the beeline offense with a bunch of different weapons. They're just not they're not as three point oriented as teams have been in the past. And see that's why I'm concerned about this team going into tournament play. You need to have that that kind of like explosive factor where you can just blow up at any moment. Michigan, we've seen struggles throughout the year offensively from this team. I'm not sure. They're not like the, the team. Was it last year they made it to the Final Four? Oh, yeah. Texas A&M, they shot them out of the gym. Exactly. It, it, was, it was a blowout within like the first five From minutes. the start. Yeah. I just I don't know if they have enough offensively to get it done where they can win consecutive games in the big dance. That's my biggest concern with this team. Again, it's March Madness. Anything can happen. But that's just the reservations I have with this team currently. I and, think I think they have the firepower, but it, it you still pointed out like the consistency with it. That's yeah, the problem. Yeah. They have the weapons, they have the firepower, but for it to be there every night or every weekend for the tournament, that's going to be the big question. Yeah, they're they're all they're throughout the season. There's a there's a element of guys. There are so many shot creators that there are times where they'll run through the offense, no open shots come up, come open. There's like ten seconds left. Maybe even like 15 seconds left. You're a shot creator. You go get a shot. There are a lot of times where they don't get easy shots, and they're so confident in themselves that they'll just they'll just go to the rim, 
shoot a bad shot because they're that confident. Iggy does that a lot. He's a freshman. Jordan Poole has not really been in a flow the past few games, so he's not forcing it, which I'm happy with, but it, I want to see him get more aggressive. But, yeah, there's consistency issues because there, there are a lot of times where they lose trust in the offense and they just want to – they they like to take it on their own shoulders, which it's that they need to break that habit. Malik, what's the story with Charles Matthews right now? Well, honestly, I wish I wish I was a bigger reporter and I could know more about his <laughs> but do you injury think- problems. But I figure that when the Big Ten tournament comes, he'll be playing. He's likely out though this yeah, weekend. Yeah, it it's not a it wasn't a big injury. So yeah, him sitting out these last few regular season games. Honestly, I'm I'm completely fine with it. Yeah, and one more concern I have with Michigan too. Um with the Charles Matthews injury, again, we don't know exactly the timetable that he will return, which could affect their seeding, which definitely could affect their seeding if he misses games in the Big Ten tournament. They don't have much depth behind that start current starting five with Matthews not playing. Probably um, three players at the most. Castleton the played five. Let's just look back at the Maryland now that, game. Now that Castleton is getting he played in five the flow, minutes, you could play maybe four people off the bench. But yeah, that's just a nine man rotation. Yeah. Um, if they play that many But players. I think a nine-man rotation is fine in tournament. But You're yeah, not going to go okay, to the depth yeah, of your bench. That's the if a nine-man rotation, but with a rotation that these guys are playing five minutes a game. Yeah. Right. So B-line is let me go trust, through the starters minutes. He's going to trust his experience guys more than anybody. When but that might come time. back to bite them later on in the tournament when your guys are just dead and shots are starting to become short because they just don't have the juice. Well, he's B-line has always had a tendency to play his young guys Especially in tournament time, like when Spike Albrick was a freshman, Karis LeVert was a freshman. I miss Spike Albrick. So do I. I don't think they were necessarily, they weren't the most talented guys, but he put them in because he needed them to. Yeah. When his guys got tired when there was foul trouble, they had to play. And when they played, they knew the offense. They knew what they had to do. They hit shots. They, they, they knew what they had to do, and they did it. Yeah. Well, so, yeah, hopefully these freshmen have moments like that. When, they, when it comes down to exactly. it. Exactly. Just, like, just even looking at the box score from the Maryland game, Isaiah Livers, 37 minutes. Brez Dikas, 38. Teske, 36. Jordan Poole, 38. Xavier Simpson got 32, so that's I'm fine with that. And but that, everybody that, else, that's That was that's because high. of foul trouble. Xavier yeah. Simpson would have played more if he didn't get in foul trouble. So that's between the consistency from deep and the amount of minutes wearing on these guys those are my two main concerns with Michigan moving forward I think that's why Castleton's gotten played my I think the depth problem I think the biggest part is at the point guard that's where they're going to struggle is if Xavier Simpson starts to get tired in the tournament can David DeJulius figure it out because yeah at this point Eli Brooks is almost a non-factor because when he comes in in my opinion Eli Brooks is best as a spot-up shooter Beeline brings him in. Right, I, I think of him more as a two guard. Yeah, I I don't think this is one point where I think Beeline doesn't do something very well. I don't think he uses Eli Brooks to his most capabilities. He brings in Eli to sometimes run the offense, sometimes move the ball around as an experienced player. But Eli never gets the he never gets to get into a rhythm on his jumper, which is one of the best parts of his game. So he's really not effective a lot of times. And yeah, that's where. Dave DeJulius has some pressure where he is a shot creator, and when he comes in, he feels the pressure to create. Especially with Xavier Simpson playing hard on both sides of the ball, that's going to wear down on uh, tournament time. I mean, obviously, I think he's in very good shape, so I think he should be okay. But 
I just think back to last year with Mo Wagner really struggling. And I know he's a kind of a special case where he was just constantly doing everything, especially on offense. And I just don't want that to happen again, where some guy, just a key guy like that, kind of starts to get tired. Yeah. And let's flip the script here. Talk about the Spartans a little bit. Michigan State, they only had one game over the past seven days since they played Michigan. They lost to Joey's Indiana Hoosers, uh, 63-62. Joey, what's going on with the Spartans, and why was Indiana able to pull that game out? I think towards the end of that game, I think Indiana just, you know, they rode the momentum, and I think they got into, I think Michigan State kind of got in their own heads and started to get a little nervous because they looked, they looked good for the most part. I just think, the biggest thing is like Indiana is so momentum based with their team, and that's why they're so up and down. But they have talent. I mean, MSU was up for the majority of the game, right? And they, Indiana made a run late in the game. I thought Michigan State was going to basically pull it out, and then all of a sudden Indiana just crept back in, crept back in, and then at that point, I think that's where it kind of get got to Michigan State a little bit mentally, and they're like, are we going to lose to Indiana again? And I think they just kind of crumbled a little bit. Yeah, Indiana was up 2-0 to start the game. They lost the lead and didn't get it back until they won 63-62. to That's got to hurt if you're the Spartans. That's got to hurt your confidence coming off such a huge win in Ann Arbor. And now you got to play those guys again. They got Nebraska tonight. What do you think? How do you think Michigan State comes out against Nebraska? I think they bounce back just fine. I think they're going to be okay overall. I don't think this really hurts them a lot, but it just shows maybe a slight weakness for the team. Even though they're they're a well-oiled machine at this point, and Tom Izzo is coaching, doing some of the best coaching he's done in years with this. You team, really think so? With oh yeah, one of some his best offensive players out, and he has them running the offense to the point where everybody knows where to be to hit an open shot. Cassius knows who to go to. Everybody knows what they're doing, and they do it well, and they don't stray away from it. He's a missing lot, basically his first and third best scoring exactly. options. A lot of teams, even when they're well coached, they can't be that strict, and they don't play. So they don't trust each other like that to the point where it just flows throughout a game. And that's how Michigan State is playing. But there's there's still the, the fact that besides Cassius Winston, if there's a point where the offense isn't flowing, you don't have a true go-to score. So there are times where when you play at Indiana where even though Indiana still has a very small chance to make the tournament, they're a young team that doesn't have much to lose. So they're just going to play. They're good. They're going to go out there. They're going to they're just going to hoop. Those young guys are going to go get buckets and they're going to play hard. And when you're playing a team like that, it's sometimes it's hard to get back when those guys are just playing free and you're sticking within a tight system, and that system isn't working very well at times. One thing is a, that's a little bit of a concern for me for MSU against Indiana is Romeo Langford didn't even play well. He was 4 for 14 from the floor, not even reaching double digits in this he game. He struggled in their first game against Indiana as well. Very true. Um, it seemed like MSU was relying too much on Cassius, and that's been the case throughout the year. And like you guys said, with their about probably their first and third go-to Arguably scores. the first and second. First and second go-to scores not playing. Cassius has to do it all. And I'm not sure if he can keep that up, not even into the Big Ten tournament. 
Yeah, the biggest problem right now is that it's it's basically Cassius Winston and then Kenny Goings. I think he's played out of his mind yeah. recently. I agree. He, he is the X factor for that team. He's looked and really good. His jumper is fantastic. He's, he's the best shooter on that team right now. Yeah. And he's the most dependable shooter and defender probably. But the problem is still kind of like you said, he's, he's not like a takeover kind of yeah. guy. He becomes more of a spot-up shooter. But you can't just have two guys on your offense. Either McQuaid's got to step up. Or... That, that is the guy that he has to step up. This this is this is really his opportunity to show everybody why he he was a somewhat highly recruited player coming into Michigan State. He was expected to shoot the lights out of the ball from day one, and there are times where he shows flashes, but he hasn't been, he hasn't put it together right. in his career. He's known as a hustle guy for the main part, mm-hmm. which. He has to be more than that for Michigan State to make a run. Yeah, somebody else is going to have to step up for this Michigan State team for them to be able to stay at the level that we expect them to be. Either McQuaid or Henry or Aarons, one of those guys has got to figure it out. Um, It can't just be Cassius every night because that's not going to work in the tournament. People are going to lock them down. They're going to double-team them if they have to. They're going to force other players to score, and Michigan State's going to need somebody to step up. Let's fast forward to Saturday. Michigan is in East Lansing to play MSU. Currently, ESPN and their matchup predictor has MSU as a 72% favorite to win this basketball game. Is that too high or too low? I think, I think that's too high. You think honestly. it's good? Uh, well, you would say that. Every, every single one of my opinions for Michigan <laughs> has to be biased, huh? I mean, my, every, every single, single opinion one. of mine for the Pistons is biased. If it said 95% Michigan State and I said it was too high, would you say the same thing? No, I'd agree with you on that one. <laughs> 72% is very high for a Michigan team that is just as good and at sometimes better than them. I think they're going a lot off of that last game where Michigan didn't play like themselves and Michigan State played a almost perfect game. They played a fantastic game. Well, why would you have confidence in a team that couldn't beat MSU at home to go into East Lansing and beat them. I don't because I think the past the four four out of the last five Michigan State game Michigan Michigan State games. I think Michigan has won three out of the last four or four. I can't remember which one it is, but they've had a hold over this rivalry, and that Michigan State game is almost is almost like an anomaly to me. I haven't seen Michigan play like that in most games this season. That was a that was a game where they, they got out of their element and they couldn't get back into it because of how strong and settled that Michigan State team is. So, Beeline has, will have them ready. They'll know exactly what they're doing. They'll know how to exploit their matchups. And I'm not expecting any type of blowout on either side. I think it's going to be close the entire time. But, but you're, of course, picking Michigan to win. I, I don't know who to pick, to be honest. To be 100% honest, Toss up. With, with Charles Matthews out, I, I'm not, I don't know. I don't know. If Charles Mas- Matthews was playing? I, I think I, I'd, I'd pick Michigan. Joey. Because he'd, he'd be another added defender that would help to us. Yeah. Joey, do you think that's too high, too low, the 72% chance of Michigan State winning? I think it's fair. I mean, they're obviously giving Michigan Thank State the benefit. Thank you for your benefit. unbiased opinion. They're, they're making Michigan State have the, the benefit of the doubt winning the last game, but they are taking into account that they're playing in East Lansing. It's a hard place to play, especially for a rivalry rivalry game like this. 
It wasn't last year. That's the only uh, that's the only somewhat biased <laughs> Michigan thing I'll say. I think Mo the, Wagner stuck that dagger in them last year, but okay. <laughs> Thank think, you for proving my point, Malik. This Thank is, you. This is going to be a really. I got I got to enjoy the, the exactly. Yeah. This will be a really big test for Iggy Brasdakis. Yes, because he has to show up. He's going into a rivalry game where it is very tough to play, and we've seen at times he can get into his own head. If that happens in East Lansing, Michigan State will win this game for sure. If Brasdakis can get off to a good start and get rolling, Michigan has a very good chance. Seems like there's a lot of ifs. There is, but there's there's ifs on both sides, yeah. because again, where does Michigan State go besides Cassius Winston? We already know that he can score against Michigan. Kenny Goins? So that's not a big problem. But the lineup that Michigan has now shown with Teske and Castleton matches up with Tillman and Goings. So that'll be interesting as well. So there's a lot of ifs, ands, or buts, which makes this game even more exciting than the first. It's going to be a great Saturday night. Duke, Carolina, Michigan, Michigan State. It's, yeah. it's going to be fantastic. Joe, who are you picking? Ooh, Lock it boy. in. Lock it in. It's, it's, it's too hard for me to pick right now. It's Like yeah. you said, there are so many ifs on both sides. Even though it's in East Lansing, I've seen Michigan win in East Lansing with with bigger obstacles. All right, so, Joe. yeah, it's, it's hard. All right, Joe. Hit me with it. I'm going to actually go with Michigan State. Dang. I have a really weird feeling that Michigan State could pull this off. And that might help Michigan for the tournament. Maybe. But that's just what my gut says right now is Michigan State. Malik, what does your And gut I don't say? know where it comes from either. What does my gut say? Yeah, what does your <laughs> gut say? Not your head, your gut. My gut says... My gut isn't saying anything right now. <laughs> I've got currently. Of course, I I want to pick Michigan, but I Malik, this is man, this on this show we live and die by our Listen, predictions. It is, I need you to I lock something in. There are times when Iggy Brasdika shows up, and there are times when he doesn't. There are times when the offense flows, and there's times when it doesn't. I I don't. It's too it's unpredictable. It's time to put your prediction on the line. How do Malik? I predict something that's you, almost unpredictable? That's a basketball Every, game. You need to put. <laughs> Your name on the line, Malik. I need a team. Michigan or Michigan State? Michigan State. Wow. Classy. Very classy. I'm actually shocked that he picked Michigan State. Did he go with the reverse psychology on that one? That's what I think he's doing. I think that's a great call (laughs) on that one, Joey. Listen, I don't know. I I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. All I know is Michigan State is going to do what they always do. That. They'll probably be predictable unless some people aren't hitting shots. I don't know. Here's another big factor, too, though, mm. that, I'll, that I'll add in for Michigan. Michigan might come in if Purdue loses to Minnesota, and then Michigan has a chance to take the Big Ten title. Then they might be a little more fueled. Yeah. If Purdue wins against Minnesota tonight, I believe it is, um, then Michigan may feel a little uneasy about not being I- able to get the Big Ten title. I don't think so. I don't think that would be the case. I'm just saying, I, th- I think that could be a, a little bit of a factor. Maybe. All right, let's transition to some NBA basketball. So the biggest storyline in the National Basketball Association, 
Tristan Thompson. Andrew Bogan. And, oh, wait. Oh. <laughs> Andrew Bogan and Tristan Thompson. That is what we're talking about for the rest of the podcast. No. <laughs> that is not going to happen. Um, Andrew Bogan, maybe. Uh, not Tristan Thompson. <laughs> the Lakers currently sitting as the 10th seed in the Western Conference. The LeBron James-led Lakers. At the beginning of the season, if you said the Clippers were the best team in L.A., who who would have been respected the Lakers, in, the, in the sports media if they said that at the beginning of the season? You know the Clippers are better. Some, you would have got laughed out the Oh, building. yeah, definitely. Yeah. So the Lakers just lost to the Clippers last night. Before that, they lost to the Phoenix Suns in Phoenix. Two big losses. They sit at 30 and 34. Four games under 500 this late in the season for a LeBron-led team. Uh, they're currently five and a half games back of the eighth seed Spurs. Basketball Power Index gives them a 0.1% chance of making the playoffs. Joey, as a LeBron hater, does this season hurt LeBron's legacy? And if so, by how much? Mm, I think it does. Because he does, he does consider, remember about the clip that came out earlier in the year saying how he considers himself the greatest of all time. If yeah. you're the greatest of all time, I think that that hampers his his legacy more than well, but this. I'm, I'm just kind of putting it through. right. No, I get you. Um, I think it does. It definitely will, but I don't know if it's that much. Like at this point in LeBron's career, honestly, there's there's the LeBron lovers and there's the LeBron haters, and I think it's pretty equal out equaled out where you know he's kind of made his legacy. I don't know if there's a lot to add unless he can get another title. Then maybe that tips the scale. Um, if he goes out in these last couple of years and struggles, that could tip the scale the other way. And right now it's, it's kind of going down a little bit where a couple more people are coming to the hater side. I'm not sure, but I don't know if it's going to be a big thing overall, at least. Malik, I think the opposite. You think this, is, this think, is going to tarnish his? No, I, I think this won't affect his oh. legacy at all. Really? At all. Why is that? Because LeBron, LeBron apologists and LeBron haters will snap at each other for the rest of time. It, it doesn't matter. I think LeBron is already cemented as a top three player of all time. That's, That's kind of what I was getting to, but that I, is, I think, it I might, think LeBron is that is top, finished. I think LeBron's what, top two. It, you could say he's top yeah, two. Whatever your argument is, exactly. But whatever happens from now on, it won't change that he's. Top I could, two it, all it would time. alter my decision if. The rest of his career, he missed the playoffs and struck, or just made the playoffs and got swept in the first round. I think he would go down a couple notches personally, because the reason why for, I have him so high for us, but like I, then there the the LeBron apologists will find a reason. I don't care about the LeBron apologists. They don't care about the LeBron haters. <laughs> it's a 50-50. Everything is tossed in the air. It's all opinion. It's all conjecture. LeBron is going to be a top three, top two. Some people he thinks he's the goat. No matter what happens in L.A., he's focused on being a businessman and a player at the same time. I think Listen, more so man. businessman at this point. LeBron's legacy is cemented. There are going to be, of course, there are going to be a lot of people that will drop him down somewhat if he just completely messes up what the Lakers organization is and sets them back 10 years, which he's pretty much doing. As soon as they sign LeBron, they set, set the franchise, set the franchise back. franchise back. What? They, they got a thirty-five. The they got a thirty-four-year-old LeBron for four years. You had gonna, no, 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 Malik, Malik, Malik. Let's backtrack, rewind, bring it back. Hold <laughs> the I phone. Say? Hold I the say? phone. 
Joe, hold me back here for a second. Oh, that's a real hot take. Saying that they put this franchise back 10 years for signing a LeBron James for one. They signed a 34-year-old LeBron. At the time, the best player in the NBA since Michael Jordan. They signed him for four years. And after that, what's... We we see what, how is he setting, see, how is it setting him see, back for ten first years? First of all, we see right now. Wait, wait, explain the ten years thing for me. How is it setting them back of ten all, years? Now we see Magic and Polinka do not really know what they're doing. Well, I so, could have told you that with the team they put around them. That's Magic and Polinka, not LeBron. The signing of LeBron not, setting the franchise back. The management isn't going to just have some miracle change around. It's not that hard. Years. You put three point shooting around LeBron and guys that can actually go get a bucket. Well, it seems that hard because they they went they the put opposite the right direction. LeBron. They went the complete opposite direction. After these four years are over, whether LeBron wins the championship or not, everything's going to be broken up and they have to start over. And how long is that? Good? They haven't made the playoffs in six years. They might not Soon make the playoffs this season. What you make the playoffs for three years straight, you may win a title or not. Then if how, you win a title, then, it, it doesn't matter. Then how many more years do you have of start over again? It doesn't. Honestly, at the end of the day, I think if the Lakers win one title, that's still setting, it does that's not still setting, matter. That's still setting their franchise back. If, okay, let me give you some perspective. Let me give you some perspective here. Let me give you some perspective here. Pistons make Pistons sign a big free agent, but it sets the franchise back ten years. Oh, but I've, but I've but. <laughs> They win a championship in that decade. Do you take that back? Would you rather them not sign that player? No, you take the championship because that's all we play for. For it's no, 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 it's not different. It's how different is it different? Explain to me how it's different. I don't think the Lakers are going to be contending for championships for for the entire time. LeBron no, is but there. I'm I'm I just think, saying my argument I think they is they may possibly get to one. If if the Pistons got a, like a big free agent and they were contending for. Like championship status every year, I'd be happy. My, the Lakers aren't going to be contending for well, championship even, status every year. I'm not even. Talk- They're going to have this little stint, and then they have to start over all again. I'm not even talking about them even contending for a couple of years. I'm just saying, in that ten year span, if they win one championship, is it worth it? Yes, it is. I'm sorry. Yes, it is. If we have one championship and then mediocrity and then being horrible for years after that, this is right now they're mediocre. Who the Lakers? Yes. If he gets one championship. They're not going to win a whole bunch of championships. Yeah, I'm just saying, I think it's a success if LeBron gets one championship. One championship, hooray. Now we got to be horrible again for years to come. I think horrible is quite, I don't think they're going to be horrible. Before LeBron, they haven't made the playoffs for six years. There's not going to be a miraculous process after LeBron. Trust the process. <laughs> that was his rebuttal. No, I'm just, that just had to, every time trust someone says process, process, I want to say trust the process. It's Sam Hankey isn't coming to LA, Chris. You don't know that. <laughs> you do not know that. Um, no, but I, I guess we differ in that opinion that I it's, think if it doesn't matter what franchise it is, when it comes down to just winning, the main goal thirsty Lakers fan. is to win a championship. If you can win one championship in 10 years, that's a, a success for most franchises. Boston, of course, it's not. Lakers, for the most part, it's not. But recently, that would be. But Boston had Danny Ainge. They won a championship. They sent the old guys away, and they immediately began the smart rebuild. They got back. To oh, the I'm not. I, well, I'm not. Deci- I'm not. I'm not arguing That's that they I did said. a great job of rebuilding. I'm winning, just, I'm winning just... a championship is one thing. You have there has to be a plan outside of just one champion. If there's one championship, and then everything just goes back to eh. I'm sorry. That's still, but that's besides the point that I'm trying to make here. The point is, if you win one championship in 10 years, do you consider it a success? success? I say yes. Okay. And you say no. I I say no. Okay. 
There has to be consistency. There has to be. One championship. You have. You hey, have you to... give me a ring every 10 years, I'm good. Well, that doesn't happen for any. Besides, um, besides um, Lakers. There's, <laughs> a big flaw. there's a big flaw here. Let's hear it, Joe. LeBron's not going to play for 10 years. <laughs> no, but his thing was. I understand if, what he's saying. It's going to set, it set the Lakers back 10 But their, their timetable is a lot shorter. If they stuck with the young guy plan, that may have become something for years to come. It could have. But they went with the LeBron plan for a few years. Brandon Ingram then, ain't winning them a chip. And then we'll see. I'm not saying. Just, Brandon not, not Ingram just Brandon ain't winning Ingram. them a chip. Ingram, Kuzma, Lonzo, you keep building, you get some. Lonzo, oh my. Why don't Lonzo, they just draft Lonzo LaMelo Ball, ball too? I don't think LeBron's going to win a championship with them either. <laughs> and then they will be set back for more than 10 years. If LeBron doesn't win a championship, they're because to get a championship for LeBron, a potential, they have to trade all their young guys. You have to do you have to you have to make everything different. And then when he's gone, you have to make everything different again. That well that that's not a But they okay. It seems like Anthony Davis is almost certainly going to be a Laker. Is LeBron and Anthony Davis enough? I honestly but, no, that, no, that but is a when big they, question. When they trade all their young players and a cap filler for Anthony Davis, whatever it ends up being. They'll be close, or they can make the money work where they can sign another player to a max contract, creating a big three. Who else is going to be on the roster? There's the, all the rumbles is Kyrie Irving. There's also been rumbles that he's going to go to New York with the, Kevin Durant. There's so, there so many. But I'm saying, rumors, if you well, man. if you if if they be, build a big three around LeBron with, let's just say Anthony Davis and Kyrie Irving, those are two younger-ish players that can still play past LeBron's prime and still carry the load. Well, LeBron kind kind of goes towards retirement and helps that team in the transitional phase. That's if it gets done. That's if it gets done. But that's a way the Lakers could bridge the gap from the LeBron era to the next era. I believe the Lakers organization and fans should want more. I'll end with that. Yeah, they're going to win a championship. Someday. Maybe. Someday. (laughs) One day. One day. I will guarantee they win a championship. They're running out of time. What do you know that we don't? LeBron's getting close. Uh, he's uh, honestly he's already showing age. No, he's not. I mean, he never played defense anyways until it got to the finals. He was first team defense, Chris. I'm a LeBron apologist. He's a really good defender. He is a good defender when Look he wants to be. Look at all the chase down blocks. Look at he's a great defender. When he wants to be, he can. He'll never be again. <laughs> um so we got on a big LeBron tangent there. But good, argument, what, good argument. But what went wrong with the Lakers this season? What was ultimately the deciding factor that plummeted this team? There, there are so many factors that come into it. It's from Magic and Palinka constructing this team to outside forces getting involved in NBA business now, which is becoming more of a regular thing, which is tampering to – the Pelicans just play, just toying with the Lakers to the young guys. It seems like they're not over the, all the controversy to LeBron, not to him saying I'm playoff mode activated and him not really being playoff mode activated. And trying to trade them. Yeah, that. And then the Lonzo injury, LeBron being out for time. It's It's so much stuff put into one pot. It's it's so much. It's not just one thing. It's it's so many things that you put together 
that make this so pretty much a failure of a season. Hey, Joey, can you give me one solid factor that plummeted this team? Just one factor? Give me uh, one of the, the one that <laughs> sticks out the most to you. Hmm. I think it's obvious. I want to say it's the one factor. I want to say it's the GM. Is that what you're going to say? I was going to say, uh, to me, it's Magic and Palenka. That's yeah, the that's, I think the biggest thing. The front office. But, yeah, Le- but LeBron is LeBron the front had, office. LeBron is- <laughs> that's why I said Le, Le GM. Le GM. LeBron and his people definitely have a role in all this. That's why I was going to say that I, I, I feel like there's I feel like there's two factors is the front office and LeBron. Because LeBron is part of the front office. But anyway, <laughs> like those those are two but serious <laughs> those are those are two serious issues. The front office didn't create the greatest lineup around uh the team. They didn't have the shooters that, you know, LeBron has been accustomed to Ever with since Cleveland. that Rondo signing, I was confused. But ever since that Rondo signing happened, they figured that the young talent that they had would develop better. We've seen Kyle Kuzma is definitely a star in this league. Brandon he's, Ingram he can score, but he on the defensive end, he's nowhere near he needs to be. Brandon Ingram, Brandon Ingram is a big that, problem. He's I don't think he's a big problem. I think in this fit, in oh, this mold, yeah. he shows he he always shows flashes of being a star, but he always is in, extremely inconsistent and can't hit free throws consistently. And for his length, he's not that much of a good defender, which is shocking. And people thought he'd put on at least some sort of muscle yeah. like Kevin Durant did. Yeah. He hasn't. And this time around, like it wasn't it, it wasn't like the Cavs where they went out and they got Kyle Korver, J.R. Smith, these shooters. They they went out and got JaVale McGee, Lance Stevenson, Reggie Bullock, Rajon Rondo. Oh wait. What are those signings? Like it doesn't it's all I get that there's Mike Muscala. They're they're quality <laughs> the veterans, but they're not those shooters that yeah we've come to know on a LeBron team. Yeah, like we talked about, it's Magic and Rob Palenka tried to act like they were the smartest people in the room by signing all these playmakers and be like, oh, this is what you got to do to win with LeBron. Not get all the shooters, take the pressure off him, get playmakers like Rondo, like Lance, take the pressure off him. But you no. know Le- LeBron had to be a part of those talks. I also, oh, I agree with you. I also think it's an it's a huge element of the difference between how L- how how the Lakers run things and how the Cavs run things. In LA, the management has control. It's not going to be, okay, LeBron, tell us everything. What do you want? What 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 do you need? It's I disagree. Jeannie Jeannie Bus is nobody's going to she controls things. Dude. Magic and Palenka, of course they're going to get LeBron's input. But at the end of the day, Magic Johnson is Magic Johnson. To be he, f- he'll always think he knows what's best for the Lakers. And he, him teaming up with Rob Palenka, they think they know what's best. In Cleveland, it's all, LeBron, tell us what you need. We're going to get it. That's the end of the story. To be fair to Malik's point, if LeBron was the one making all the calls, Luke Walton would not be here right now. Right. Exactly. No, I, I agree with that Even point. down to coaching in Cleveland, it was, what do you want? Do we want, you want David Blatt out? Okay, he's gone. Let's bring in Tyron Lue. Luke Walton is the definition of a dead man walking. Mark Stein even reported some things saying that inside circles tell him that it's all but done, that he's going to be fired after the season. Saying, it's already too late. Yeah, they're saying Tyron is coming in too, which is wild. Did they say yeah. that? I didn't see that. Tyron yeah, Lue? They're saying they're, they're, they're going to offer Tyron a whole bunch of money to come in. That'd be actually really cool. I, I, I'd be in for that. Um, There's also rumors about Carmelo still. I, no, the, yeah, this, they, the Carmelo rumor is they that they stopped talks. Yeah, it, it, it's a because they're not a winning team. It, well, because they're not Car- in the playoff exactly. race right now. And Carmelo wants to be on a playoff team. Um, 
there's some other NBA topics I want to get to before the end of the show, but we do have to talk about our Detroit Pistons. They've won eight of nine. Our Pistons, right, Joey? You're not a Pistons fan? I have an announcement to make. <laughs> I have an announcement. This is dramatic. Hold on. Hold on. Yeah, get the yeah, get whatever you need ready. This is dramatic. Takes a sip of water. You, you gonna clear your throat too? I'm a little bit excited about this Pistons team. Hey. I am also that good win against day, sir. <laughs> that win against Toronto gave day. me a little bit of hope. I I was happy watching that Pistons. Game. There was an edge to that team. Yes. They they played like they want. Andre Drummond is playing like he wants to win. That's at at, at the Andre Drummond thing, missing that's, that's good. Andre Drummond missing the All-Star game was the best thing for the Pistons this season. When it comes to them competing in for a playoff spot. Regard our all of our opinions, I think we can all say is we wanted them to tank and rebuild and do that completely. But we know that's not going to happen. So for the Pistons to actually succeed and actually make the season somewhat worth watching as a fan, Andre Drummond missing the All-Star game was the best thing because he's had an edge ever since. Um, But yeah, they've won 8 of 9. They have one of the easier schedules. They have the easiest schedule between all the teams they're competing with in the playoffs and the lower seeds, easier than Brooklyn, easier than Charlotte, Miami, Orlando. Um, and a huge factor, the return of Reggie Jackson. Let's let's not be too dramatic yet. Over the last this, eleven games, that's all I say. This is just a stretch of eleven games. He's looking like his old self, but he's shooting nearly forty percent from still, three. I'm still being hesitant. Averaging, I, I like what I'm seeing. Averaging just under twenty points per game, and about thirty thirty one minutes per game. Good to see. He's doing what he's supposed to be doing. Joey, Which is the thing. this Reggie Jackson, how do you feel about <laughs> this Reggie Jackson? He's better. I don't like him. I, I, I'm never going to change my mind about that. I just don't like Why? the way that he plays. What? Would you rather have Reggie Jackson or Blake Griffin with the ball at the end of the quarter or at the end of the game? Blake. Okay. Yeah. That's all I need. I, I get scared when Reggie starts to have games like this. I don't this. get scared. Although, because when Reggie is healthy and confident, even in OKC, he was clutch. Reggie has he has when he's he was that the, clutch when factor. he was in the playoffs in Memphis. As Greg Kelser said, he's got the clutchness. Like they would go to Reggie at times when Russell Westbrook was in foul trouble and Reggie would deliver. When he's healthy and confident, he can do these type of things. It's just you can't let him get the big head to where Reggie, you take the ball and take over whenever. That's what I'm saying. It's but it's a with, very with Blake on the team now, that should that should a, it should balance out. It's a double edged sword in that. That's the only thing that ever scares me about Reggie Jackson is his decision making late in games. I know that he's done it before. He he can have great finishes to a game, but he can also have big duds. And I it just but he hasn't had du- makes many me duds nervous. over the last thirteen games. That's what makes me even more nervous. <laughs> he hasn't had him yet, and he looks like he's got that at least somewhat of a burst of speed that he hasn't had even even in the beginning of the season. It's been a while. And no, it's he's, noticeable. Yeah. Can you see? You can see that as well, Malik. Right, Joey. Oh my! I just. <laughs> I think it's the, like he can't admit that Reggie's playing well. He will I, never admit it. I think the biggest factor on this team, obviously Andre Drummond, um, turning it around. But I think finally getting some depth behind these guys is a big deal. 
I think I, I will. I don't think they. I still don't think they have that much depth. I think they have some. No, but well, they have more than what they had. Yeah, Thon Maker gives them a good look defensively. They, they actually have a usable backup big man yeah. that's not named the John Lewis. He, he right. plays hard at all times. Right, I, that yeah. is a big thing. That's and, a that's a Pistons kind of player too. We've had Jason Maxiel, guys like that that have come in, been like kind of defensive stoppers, he and he's not afraid to go for the block. Exactly. Right, which I think plays a huge role defensively. Like players have to be wary that at least Thon's going to try to block your shot. When Zaza's on the court, they don't care. But Him getting ejected that last game was kind of funny. That was good. I think they needed it. I think that was a good vet move by Zaza. Luke um, Kennard also getting aggressive. That's what I was going to talk about. That, Luke, that, that may be one of the biggest Luke's been factors. playing. He's, about, fin- he's finally playing how I expected him to be playing the past two few seasons, even oh. though the whole Stan Van Gundy debacle happened. and Yeah, that was the whole falling out. But, yeah, he just needed time to get more confidence and Get settled. Yeah, Luke's been playing. He has the talent. He's been playing close to thirty minutes a game over the these this last eight game His stretch. His three point shooting has been ridiculous over the last ten games. <laughs> he's shooting fifty percent from three. Yeah. Average. He's shooting six threes per game and shooting fifty or above. That Cleveland on game. Average. He was unconscious in that Cleveland game. He. Well, I think the stat was seven to nine. What is he's ten of twelve over his last twelve three point attempts. Yeah. That's ridiculous. You give him space, yeah. He's that good of a shooter. If you can get a bench of Kennard, Ish Smith, Thon Maker, that's pretty good. And then we know that, you know. And Luke's been finishing games. Right. And we know that there are times that Galloway looks okay. So maybe he adds another bench player. So then, you know, there is some depth there, which we need in the playoffs. Yeah. Looking ahead on their schedule, again, like we talked about, they have a very favorable schedule, even within the next six games. Wednesday, they play at home against Minnesota. Winnable game. It'll be a tougher one because Carl Anthony Towns has been playing out of his mind since Jimmy Butler was traded. Then they have a home-and-home with Chicago. You can sweep that. They Chicago's a, been playing pretty good, though, so they can't sleep on them. They can't sleep on them, but you expect the team that's been playing this well and in the thick of the playoff race to win those games. Um Monday, they play at Brooklyn. That's a big game. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, and then Wednesday, it's at Miami. Next Wednesday, the 13th. Another big game. And then they come home to the Lakers, who have been struggling, and honestly might be an easy game. That that game might be the hardest I root for a Pistons team in a long time. And you know, really, there's I'm a gonna, lot of Laker fans in the Metro Detroit area. I'm going to support the Pistons so hard in that one. But yeah, uh, we got to talk about two. So the Pistons, they're in the driver's seat of their own destiny for the rest of the season. I can see them winning a couple games above 500, staying in that sixth seed. Joey, do you think they stay in the sixth seed? No. Do you think they make the playoffs? Yes. That doesn't sound good. I, I, think, I think it's too hard at this point for Charlotte or Miami to catch up, especially because they've been playing kind of bad. So I think the Pistons are almost a lock into the playoffs at this point. But I don't know if they're going to stay in this seed. Like, all three of those teams at the back of the East uh, playoffs, Detroit, Brooklyn, and Orlando, are all playing pretty well right now. So that's Orlando's really up and down. I think that'll be a little bit of a jumble, but if the, if the Pistons are going to do anything in the playoffs, they need to realize they need this sixth seed, If I guess, if Indiana stays at the three. Because that's that's the only favorable matchup, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. I think they could make Toronto competitive. But by no means would I pick them to win more than a game or two. Um, if you play Milwaukee, they're going to get just 
blown out of the gym. It'll be a sweep with an average deficit of 20 points. But, yeah. So, we'll talk more about the Pistons throughout since apparently they're in the, they're about to make the playoffs. Uh, Trey Young. Joey, want to talk some Trey Young? I just wanted to give him a little bit of love, you know? 32 and 10 since the All-Star break. You see he got ejected for staring at Chris Dunn? Listen, That's yeah. bad. That's just bad this, officiating. This, this NBA, these NBA refs this season are... I feel like we I, say that every know, year. Man. We say it every year. The officiating is just I, going I, down I, the drain. I usually don't say I usually give referees the benefit of the doubt because... Because you're a classic everybody, everybody thinks every referee is bad. This, Which they are. It's, <laughs> come on. I was a ref but, myself. I was bad. I was terrible. Come on, man. You You can't give a... It's it's the emotion of the game. It's basketball. Mm-hmm. It's competitive. It's it's what the no, game that was, that is. Was, I wonder if the official didn't realize. I think part of it is he didn't realize Trey Young got a double tech earlier in the game and that he would have been ejected. So I'm sure he didn't mean to do that. And I'm sure he probably got talked to by Adam Silver and be like, this guy is still a name people want to watch. You cannot throw him and out for that. And he didn't do anything. He just, yeah, he just stared he at him. He hit a shot and looked at somebody. That's just that is it's a over officiating. That it's is, over officiating. That is one of the beautiful parts of basketball. You know how many times I've done that to Chris in my career? Exactly. The competition <laughs> of going back and forth between competitors Son, is what makes this NBA. I'm just great. gonna tell you this one time. Yes. You want to keep working here. Stay off the drugs. Actually, I I don't know why I said this NBA is great because it's not. It's not great. But it it's what made the NBA great. And it's the reason why this NBA isn't as good as it used to be. Doesn't Spoke, have the same fire. Spoken like an old soul. Spoken like Joey Tysick. Uh that's really all we got for the show. We we got a couple minutes. I want I want to know what's going on in your realm, guys. Joey, I haven't had a Tysick take in forever. <laughs> I'm putting you on the spot. He usually, he usually is just feeling it whenever he has a take. I don't know if yeah. you. Oh no no no, can, no 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 no! He usually I, can't yeah. force takes. We're almost, oh, we're almost to like tournament time and playoff time, so I gotta kind of hold off on the takes. You, you gotta know? hold off. You gotta save them. Yeah, because there's not, there's not a lot going on to like make hot takes about. You gotta, you gotta save. Oh, there's it up lots for, going on for tournament time. Malik, what's your take on the whole Tristan Thompson scenario? Stop I know it. you're big on it. Do the, do I... the Pistons sign Carmelo Anthony? Wait, what? No, finally. No. Come on. I'm, I'm going to talk a little about college basketball because <laughs> there's a lot going on. Nevada is cooling off from what everybody thought they would be. They're a mid-major that can still make a run but show signs of they go to their key guys and that's it. They don't have depth on the bench. They have a five-star player that they brought in, and they don't really have depth, with his, which is shocking. And Eric Musselman is really – his coaching is getting kind of weird. They're getting supplanted by other mid-major teams. Gonzaga's number one. Teams like Wofford. Wofford is ranked right now. They they have one loss in conference. And they have a guy, Eric McGee, who has – I think he has the most games in like the past 20 years of eight or more threes in this season. Yeah, Wofford is just playing out of their minds. Virginia, did you see that game the other night? Yeah, Virginia's just a top They hit 18 team. threes. Yeah, when they when they get Tied to school when record. Kyle Guy and Ty Jerome get going, there's there's no stopping them. DeAndre Hunter, one of the better players yeah. in the country. I can't wait till the NCAA tournament show because I think Kentucky could make a run to the championship. They mm. they are also they they are a dangerous team. The, They've dropped some games though that surprise you. They have because they're a, they're a young team, but when they when that team is rolling, they they're they're really good. The March Madness show is tentatively scheduled 
It's going to be March 18th or 19th. <laughs> March 18th or 19th. Most Pro- likely 19th. Most likely 19th. We will have a couple surprise guests in the studio joining us as we break down the entire bracket like we did last year, go through each matchup, and kind of make a views from the sideline NCAA bracket. Last year, you guys know, we were here supporting Loyola since day one. Sister Jean. Sister Jean. Sister Jean. We knew they had something happening. Right now, I think, in, the, I think they they're not going to win the conference this year, but they still have a chance to get in. The right league. now, in bracketology, they have Loyola Chicago playing Michigan State in the first round. <laughs> I would pick Loyola. LOL. I would LOL. Pick Lo- I would pick Loyola. I think a lot of people might pick Loyola. I'm LOL. I'm sure a lot of people <laughs> yeah. would. Just that's gonna be off. that's gonna be everybody's main first week upset. Oh yeah, definitely. 100%. But they're not going to do it this year, and nobody's going to pick Virginia. I think Virginia's dangerous. Joe picks Virginia every single year. I took a year. <laughs> I took a year off last year, and I was glad. I didn't. I didn't expect them to lose to the Labs, but you know, whatever. Are the Retrievers? Well, that's gonna do it for our show this week. It's views from the sideline, March fifth, twenty nineteen. We will see you guys next week for conference tournament previews. Bye. <laughs>